President Biden goes to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia more specifically, the city of brotherly love, and he calls MAGA Republicans a threat to democracy. Yes, anybody who voted for Donald Trump, anybody who supports Donald Trump, he calls them a threat to democracy. That's what MAGA means, make America great again. And he does it all against a very menacing backdrop. A few days later, Trump goes to the same state, Pennsylvania, and he plays the role of the people's president. I'm gonna theorize a little bit about their respective speeches. I'm gonna get into a little bit about the meaning of their respective speeches, talk about why Pennsylvania is so important in this year's midterms at the governor level and at the Senate level, and how it all feels a bit reminiscent of 2020 in terms of the type of crowds that they draw and what we can expect in November in the midterm election. And then I want to talk about something that I find very interesting. It's more of a cultural topic, but what do Jordan Peterson, actress and director Olivia Wilde, and actor Shia LaBeouf have in common or rather how are they all connected and intertwined in something that's going on involving Olivia Wilde's new movie that she directed, Don't Worry Darling, and how she calls Jordan Peterson the king of the incels, something that he's not. Let's get into it. Yo, this is Hanging With Apes, an Audio Apes podcast. Real talk, real topics, no limits. Audio Apes, music with no boundaries. What's up, everybody? This is K Cartoon. I am rolling solo today, so you are officially Hanging With Apes, a weekly Tuesday podcast where we discuss trending topics and current news with a philosophical and comedic flair and our take on it. Two guys from the south side of Chicago. There is explicit language at times, so be advised. Go on over to our website. That's hangingwithapes.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to listen to some really good rap and hip-hop, go to any major music streaming platform, type in Audio Apes, and our catalog pops up. It truly is the best. Like always, if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star review. That helps us out a lot. If you want to help us stay independent, go to our website. You can donate an amount of your choosing or you can buy some merch. And if you know somebody who would be interested in the things that we talk about, please share the episode with them. We're on all podcast platforms. So I am rolling solo today. Um, my partner uh, is, is kind of a scheduling conflict and different things going on. So my partner co-host, he's not here today. But we're still going to have a good episode. Good episode nonetheless. And next week, things should be back to normal. I do feel like this whole Pennsylvania Biden speech thing is very important. It's, it's a more important issue than the whole Jordan Peterson, Olivia Wilde, Shia LaBeouf, even though I do feel like that is important culturally. And that has a lot to do with virtue signaling and the feminist agenda and just kind of saying things for the sake of saying things and not really knowing what you're talking about. And that's more so directed to Olivia Wilde, but saying things for the sake of saying things and not knowing what you're really talking about kind of applies to Joe Biden also. So he called MAGA Republicans a threat to democracy in his speech. Now, granted, the very next day when 
Peter Ducey pressed him on it, he completely was oblivious to having said that. And I don't know if that was a role that he was playing. I don't know if he genuinely forgot that he said that or he was just flat out lying. I don't really know what the case was going on the very next day when he was pressed by Peter Ducey. But they do have Biden out there making his rounds as you would expect considering the fact that these midterms are around the corner. It's heating up. Uh, The polling is everywhere. I mean, you got polls that have the governorship of new york almost the same between the republican and the democrat almost the same as the the polling of between john fetterman and oz on the senate level in pennsylvania in terms of like how close they are so i i try to keep up with this stuff i i i I read up on it every day I look at the data and everything but it really is all over the place to the point where it's hard to get a gauge and i imagine that's how they feel too um and that's why they've deployed biden to start making his rounds because i mean they have him in wisconsin right now which is strange because it doesn't seem like there's a high likelihood for the democrats to win wisconsin at the senate level but they have him there anyway so some could say well, that's a waste of resources who knows but one thing we do know is pennsylvania is definitely a battleground state it is definitely um gonna come down to the wire and it does look like that is exactly what's going on and so much to the point where you have Biden out there and he gives his very menacing speech. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, I'm, I mean, I, I can't imagine there aren't many people out there who haven't seen all the memes or the pictures floating around and people are talking about it. Uh, on the right side of the political aisle and on the left side of the political aisle because it does look very menacing. It's like this really red backdrop. I mean, it's very reminiscent of like old pictures and videos you see from like some Hitler speeches, some uh, Mao speeches. Very strange. Nothing that you would think that you would get from a person who calls themselves a a unifier and they were going to get in office and unify the country, which I always knew that that was a bunch of BS. I think right now where we're at, things are way too polarized. I think that people are too tribal. And I think overall, it, it takes a special type of naivety to think that like you could come in office and just unify people based off of how you operate and and your individual actions. I think people are pretty much where they're at. Granted, there are a certain amount of independence, uh, undecided people, and and really, I think ultimately that's who these candidates are competing for. I I think, uh, I mean, I, I do think people switch aisles at times, but I don't know, I just see people are are very tribal and it it, it, to a certain extent no matter how bad this administration does i don't know people they still seem to have a a a certain um, certain i guess what i'm trying to say is there's a certain amount of people that have yet to come out and say that they feel like voting for this administration was a mistake and i'm a bit surprised by that because this has been pretty cataclysmic two years and it looks like worse can be on the horizon if something isn't done about it so i really don't know where things are going with it but maybe people are just being silent right now and maybe that'll reflect because i i that's one of the theories that 
I actually wanted to go over in terms of not just Pennsylvania, but in the midterms period and the fact that there are so many Trump-like candidates. I look back to 2016 and how bad the polling was, and it, it was really bad. It was totally off. I don't think there was one poll that got it close. Pretty much every poll had it for Hillary Clinton, and that was that. And I do remember that getting closer to election day, it was the polling was closer, it was tighter, but overall, overwhelmingly for Hillary Clinton. And now that we have people like Kerry Lake running for governor of Arizona, Blake Masters running for Senate in Arizona, Mastriano running for governor in Pennsylvania, J.D. Vance running for Senate in Ohio, all these Trump-like people, I'm wondering if the polling will have the same type of effect that it did in 2016 in terms of not being able to be accurate because for whatever it is about Trump and Trump-like candidates, is it is it something about these particular candidates that people want to vote for them and people want to rock with them? but they're like closeted about it. Like if they get asked, you know, however these polls are conducted, whether it's in person or over the phone or online or whatever the methodology is, do people not feel comfortable expressing it? So it's like one of those things like, well, I know I'm going to vote for JD Vance, but if anybody asks me about it, I'm either going to say I'm undivided or might even go the extra length and say that I'm going to vote for Ryan, you know, the, the his competitor. I, I wonder, you know, it, it just really makes me wonder if we'll see anything like that. And I also wonder if maybe that's something that the, the left is a bit concerned about. So we'll see. I, I mean, obviously, uh, November is coming up and, and we'll see. How, how that all plays out. Now, going back to Biden's speech, though, and him calling MAGA Republicans a threat to democracy, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember any instance in which Trump did that, like where Trump took half of the nation and labeled them in such a way, and, and to do that at such a, a pivotal time, you know, like it's like what kind of who wrote that speech? Who approved it? Who told Biden that that was a good idea? Or maybe they see it like how I see it, because that's the other thing. Maybe they see that they'd rather energize their base. They'd rather energize the people that are going to vote for them. And they'll energize them by demonizing the other side versus trying to work to scrape and get whatever votes they can get from the other side, those undecideds, those independents, those few that are willing to jump across the aisle, rather than get them, maybe let's just energize the base and 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 hopefully it's enough to push us over the finish line. And maybe it'll end up being a good strategy for them. Thus far, it looks like as far as the whole abortion issue, which I know in the last two episodes I've expressed this, I really didn't think that that was going to be as big an issue. I really didn't think. And it's like, it's interesting because I'll be honest, like I'm not a trad con. Like that is not as big an issue for me as it is for a lot of conservatives. It really isn't. Like I think, and I've said it before, you know, I've said it, you know, with my co-host here, let that bitch breathe. Like if, if, if. And I know it, it, it might sound brass, it, it might sound harsh, but this idea of 
well, if we stop women from being able to get abortions and, and, and we're able to, to halt that whole thing, we can work our way back to traditionalism. But the idea that you would even have to do that suggests that these women naturally don't want to go that direction. So it's like you want to force them to go in that direction. And I guess that's one way to live life, but I don't operate like that. It's like if if you if, if a woman wants to operate in a traditional capacity naturally, then more power to you. But if it's something where where it's like the situation is forced, let it be forced. And granted, I do know that 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 uh uh or rather don't let it be forced. If if it's something where the situation is forced, then it's not worth it. And and granted, I know that a lot of people feel like oh, but like all the societal ills that that come from it. And I know it sucks. And I agree with you to a certain capacity that it does breed a certain level of of uh, single mother households co-parenting situations, situations that aren't ideal for raising children and and, uh, society at large. There's so many more other issues than that. But don't, it can't be forced. It can't be forced. And that's when I think you get guys like, where guys like Andrew Tate come in and tell people, well, never mind that. Be great. Build yourself up. Be great. Do great things. So much to the capacity where those things aren't even important to you anymore. Um, so, and I wonder because they the Democrats have seen that data, maybe they feel like that's enough to take them over the finish line because there have been a few high profile Democrats in the last few weeks that have suggested something like that. They've suggested things like, you know, oh, women are going to save democracy these midterms. And maybe that's because they're expecting like women to come to the polls in in record numbers, you know, and you got a lot of households where the guys don't wear the pants. The, the, the woman pretty much runs things. So who knows how she's going to vote? A uh, lot of single women, a lot of career women. We kind of have a sense of how they're going to vote now with this whole um uh, you know, student loan debt forgiveness, which if you look at the data, that benefits women more than it benefits men. Um, and you could look that up on your own time, but if you look it up, you'll discover that it does benefit women more than it benefits men. Uh, for several reasons. One, because women have more student loan debt than men. And then also because more women have, especially in recent years, have gone to college than men. And now it's really like that. Like way more women are enrolled in college than uh, men are enrolled. So they're making it clear. They're making it clear who who they're targeting. And I guess a question that comes to mind is, let's say there isn't a red wave. And let's say, I mean, let's say it's November is cataclysmic to the point where the Democrats could get a strong majority. Because right now, let's remember that in the Senate, it's 50-50, but Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker. So technically, they have 
a one vote advantage in the Senate. But I'm talking about, let's say it gets to the point where they're able to, it's like that they're able to have, instead of it, it being uh, 50 or 51 with Kamala Harris, we're talking 52, 53, 54, something like that. I don't think that'll be the case. I'm not dooming here, but just hypothetically speaking, let's say that there, th th such a scenario plays out. And in the House, they either keep what they have or, or they gain another 10 seats or something like that. I wonder to all the people that voted for that that were energized by the the abortion vote or were energized by this whole student loan debt forgiveness all the craziness because i mean let's look at gas prices let's look at inflation uh uh let's look at our standing on, on the international level all of these like really awful things that continuously get worse would it have been worth it i would ask those people is is this abortion thing Worth it, and and believe it or not, there are many women out there that would probably say yes that it was worth it, and that is where things seem to be, and I feel like where the Democrats are positioning themselves currently, they're positioning themselves to kind of throttle that fully forward. But on the cultural side of things, you have in one of Joe Rogan's more recent podcasts with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was a guest. And Joe Rogan says to vote Republican, flat out, vote Republican. And he does it with the biggest grin on his face, um, which that was pretty cool to hear him say. That was pretty based to hear him say. And his whole thing is not even coming from any of the 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 policies or measures that I just spoke about. His whole thing is he hated the lockdowns. He hated the jab mandates. He hated everything about how the government handled the virus. So did I. I hated everything about how they handled the virus. And I'm with him on that too. Because who knows what other, what other manufactured crisis they can come up with and... and roll out those tactics again, you know? Um, so the antithesis to all of that, that that's going on with the Democrats and Biden and his speech and calling uh, MAGA Republicans a threat to democracy was Trump's speech in Pennsylvania, uh, where he really did play the role of the people's president. I mean, the backdrops of their speeches were totally different. The crowd size was totally different, which is something that I do want to get into um, because for as much as good stuff that Trump talked about, uh, it, he gave a big boost for Mastriano for governor and Oz for Senate. The crowd was roaring. Um, uh, he talked about how the FBI, which I thought was a good move on his part because it seems like the whole parenting issue and like kids potentially being pawns in the political game is important to the right wing and it seems to energize them. He told a story about how the FBI raided Barron's room and they did it in a very mean and nasty way. So all of that was good. I thought I thought Trump did good um, with all of that. Uh, but why that the these uh, the juxtaposition of Trump's speech to Biden's speech 
it feels reminiscent to the 2020 election is because I vividly remember seeing the ground level response to these two people, just like this past week. At that point, it wasn't for the midterms. It was for the actual presidency. Now it's them supporting and endorsing candidates for the midterms. And I remember how on the ground level, the response to these guys was totally different. Trump's was way more bolstered and and way more apparent. And then Biden's wasn't. Biden's was his basement. Couldn't even fill up a school gymnasium. But yeah, Biden ended up winning. And that was very scary to me. I remember vividly remembering like, how? How could it be? How could somebody that didn't campaign in a battleground state end up winning? And of course, the whole mail-in voting played a role and, and, and everything like that. So naturally, you feel it's scary. It's worrisome. Uh, so much that to the point that a lot of times when I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my, you know, looking at the, the, the election map for this particular midterms, when it comes to the Senate, I, I almost have Pennsylvania as a throwaway state. I almost look at it like, you know what, no matter how good Oz does, he's not going to win the state. Because I have this feeling like it's just he's going to win election night. He's going to win. And then somehow in the next few days, there's going to be all these votes by mail. Of course, they're going to be by by mail that come in and that's going to push Fetterman over the edge. They'll have the number they need to push Fetterman over the edge. Whereas with Georgia, they've made certain laws and certain uh, revisions to their voting system where makes it a little harder. Arizona, the same thing, makes it a little harder. Nevada even did some stuff, but Pennsylvania did nothing. Pennsylvania did nothing. So it's going to be very interesting how how that plays out. So we'll see. Unless the votes for Oz are so overwhelming where it's like it's just not enough for them to for them to put it together and then also for biden that was for the presidency um this is for the senate so i don't know if they'll have they would have the same resources and again i'm not being a conspiracy theorist here i'm just saying that that whole situation looked funny for the presidency and i i don't know if i i feel like it could potentially look funny very funny for the senate as well but maybe i'm wrong hopefully i'm wrong or and and maybe I'm wrong because that's not what they're going to do or maybe I'm wrong because that's not the type of operation they would run for a senate candidate. I don't know. I don't know. We will see. Um like I said November is not that far away. So moving on to something very interesting going on with Olivia Wilde, Jordan Peterson, Shia LaBeouf. How are they all connected, you might ask? Jordan Peterson? Uh, uh, I, I mean, I, at this point, I don't know who doesn't know who Jordan Peterson is, but 12 Rules for Life, if you haven't read it, you should read it. It's a great book. Me and my friends, we've been to see Jordan Peterson live. He's awesome. Um, but it's interesting because Olivia Wilde, she's uh, doing the press tour, essentially, for 
her new movie, Don't Worry, Darling. And the movie seems to be set against like this 1950s, 1960s backdrop. Um, you know, the age where women stayed home. And, 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 and it's funny because that kind of ties into a little bit with what I was talking about in the first segment. This want that a lot of trad cons have. Trad cons, if you don't know what that means, is traditional conservatives. This want that a lot of trad cons have to bring back those days. And Olivia Wilde and her new movie essentially are saying, no, we don't want that. That's no good. And and the whole movie seems to be this whole idea of, it, it's like a subliminal feminist movie. It's like how these women are trapped and they don't have independence and they don't have individuality and, and that whole thing. And I mean, I guess there's an argument to be made there because um, the, a lot of triad cons, they do have that mentality that like, oh, well, you know, working women are awful, independent women are awful, this, that, and the third. They like the whole traditional sense of things. But then there were certain limitations to that way of life and, and everything like that. And, and I, I could understand both arguments to a certain extent. But uh, where she starts to overdo it is where she says how the main antagonist of the movie, Chris Pine, that's who Chris Pine plays in, in her movie, he's modeled after Jordan Peterson and according to Olivia Wilde, the king of the incels. So Chris Pine's character is modeled after Jordan Peterson, the king of the incels. And who is Jordan Peterson according to Olivia Wilde? Jordan Peterson, according to Olivia Wilde, is a pseudo-intellectual that has empowered and legitimized the arguments of incels, which for people that don't know what incel means, involuntary celibate, he, he's, he's uh, empowered and legitimized their claims that, you know, women should be in the place that they were supposed to be in back then in, in, in the 50s and 60s, which is at home, in the kitchen, a life of servitude to their husbands, this, that, and the third. Um, which is fucking stupid because Jordan Peterson is none of those things. He doesn't, if anything, Jordan Peterson has leveled some rather scathing criticisms towards incels and Jordan, like, this is, it's so wild to me. Like, I, like that would be something that you could probably swing. I mean, even, even Andrew Tate doesn't really, like, rock with the incel community. But, like, I, I feel like his philosophy lines up more with that than with Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson has leveled some scathing comments towards incels in terms of, be a man. If women don't want you, it's your fault. This, that, and the third. Like, which I don't agree with. I, I like, I don't agree with that. Like, like I, I, I think that there is a lot of like, s s there's sometimes such wackiness out here that some of these women not might not rock with certain guys because these women are kind of wacky in in some cases. I think Olivia Wilde's one of these wacky women. She's dating she's dating Harry Styles, who's in the movie, by the way, and and do wears dresses and shit like that. So like 
that's the shit that she rocks with. So a lot of these women wouldn't even want to rock with like a very masculine type of guy. So I don't even t particularly agree with what Jordan Peterson says, but Jordan Peterson definitely is not the king of the incels. Uh, I think he's been uh, pretty harsh with incels and, and he's, you know, the two cents that he's given them hasn't been in their favor, hasn't been, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. No, he's pretty much said, you're all fucked up. And if women don't want you, it's your fault. It's not their fault. So I don't know where she's getting it. But again, for her to to call somebody a pseudo-intellectual, that's exactly what she is. And how we know that she's a pseudo-intellectual, a pseudo-intellectual virtue signaler is because where we get to the part where Shia LaBeouf enters the picture and for as much as you may or may not like Shia LaBeouf, I think he's a great actor. Uh, there's actually a joke uh, amongst me and a group of friends because back in the day before Shia LaBeouf had, had displayed the acting chops that he has displayed, you know, in, in more recent times and, um, you know, before he's he's racked up the accolades that he's racked up in more recent times in terms of, of his acting ability. Um, one of our friends uh, said that Shia LaBeouf was a better actor than Mark Wahlberg. Now I could actually rock with such a statement, but back then when this was said, I don't know how many years ago at this point, but it was, it was I don't know, easily five, six years ago, easy. Um, it was kind of a laughable thing to say. And and it's funny because I remember I like as I saw some of Shia LaBeouf's more recent movies like Peeling Butter Falcon and Honey Boy, and where he really shows what a good actor he is. I I remember uh, uh, texting in in our friends group chat as like, I mean, you know what? I have to issue an apology to Big Baby. That's the friend that back then said Shia LaBeouf was a better actor than than. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, I was like, you know, I have to issue an apology because, uh, yeah, I do think Shia LaBeouf is a better actor than Mark Wahlberg. Um, so my apologies, but you still thought that Transporter was a better movie than Drive because that's another thing that he said back then, which that hasn't resolved itself. That's a pretty horrible assessment to this day still. There hasn't been any new uncoverings about the transporter that makes it better than the movie Drive. But so this is the same person that said transporter is better than Drive. Said Shia LaBeouf's better than a better actor than Mark Wahlberg. And in the Shia LaBeouf situation, I believe that to be true. But anyway, um, Shia LaBeouf enters this whole scenario not really so much in defense of Jordan Peterson, but more of uh. I'm going to expose Olivia Wilde. So as Olivia Wilde starts to do her press tour, she's been saying how she fired Shia LaBeouf from the movie. Now, whether you like Shia LaBeouf or not, he's a real dude, but he has been shrouded in controversy for many years. And he had a Me Too scandal recently. I think that was his most, most recent controversy. And you could look up the details of that. That's not 
really what's important here. But in the midst of the Me Too scandal, I it seems as though Olivia Wilde found it opportunistic in her feminist agenda to say, oh, well, I fired him from the movie because my, my biggest job is to keep my staff and crew safe and I just didn't want that energy on my set and blah, 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 I'm a feminist hero. But that's not what happened. You see, not only did Shia LaBeouf provide tweets and receipts and messages and emails to show that he himself walked away from the movie, he chose to walk away from the movie, having nothing to do with Olivia Wilde and and her and supposedly her firing him and everything to do with him not wanting to be part of the project anymore um he provided all of this proof and then even further proof came out i don't know how it got leaked i'm sure he gave this video to somebody to leak but a video that she sent to him essentially saying like essentially pleading with him to get back on board for the project and he didn't get back on board so it's great that this was exposed because see what this does what we see her her very unfounded inarticulate pure stupid thoughts on Jordan Peterson and how she describes them and the Shia LaBeouf situation what that does is it paints a picture of who Olivia Wilde is. And I don't really care about celebrity gossip, but what I do care about is how the feminist agenda operates in society and in culture. It will say anything, it will display anything for the sake of its own progress forward. So, what she said about Shia LaBeouf was a complete lie and he proved it. What she said about Jordan Peterson isn't the case and anybody who's ever listened to him or read anything about him would know that. But because she's so intellectually lazy and opportunistic, all for the feminist agenda, because that's what this all revolves around. This all revolves around this idea that, that okay, I'm going to use Jordan Peterson and say that He's a, a, a woman-hating king of the incels. Cause that's, and then I'm going to say, oh, I modeled my movie or the villain in my movie after this guy. Okay, that's going to help me on my press run. And then Shia LaBeouf, who's been shrouded in controversy, a Me Too controversy at that. Yeah, that's going to help me. And it's all lies. It's all lies and it's intellectually lazy. And all while dating a guy that wears dresses. So... The picture has been painted. The picture has been painted, and it's so awesome. I don't know what Jordan Peterson has said about it. I'm sure he's commented, or if not, I'm sure he will. But it was dope to see Shia LaBeouf get busy with her in the press. And what was also dope is something he said, which was to the extent of, I have a, you know, this Shia LaBeouf saying this. He's like, I have a daughter, and one day she'll read articles about me, and... I want her to read the truth. And what's funny is that his approach is a more empowering approach to women 
than the approach that Olivia Wilde is taking because Shia's approach is, well, I want my daughter to read the truth. Yes, there's a lot of bad things about me and there's a lot of awful things that she's going to read about him and there's all of this stuff. But the stuff that isn't true, it should be corrected and that's sort of what he aimed at Olivia Wilde. I don't think as of yet she's walked back any of these comments. That's typically how it goes with these more uh, woke ideologies. They never really admit that they're wrong. And the current state of feminism is a woke ideology. Um, and how she's operating in it and with it is very woke. Uh, so I doubt she'll walk any of it back. But it's good. It's good that, that she's been exposed. Uh, it's good that people are a little bit more aware, thanks to Shia LaBeouf, of how the feminist agenda works at times. And I hope Jordan Peterson, if if, if he hasn't already, uh, gets at her with something as scathing as how Shia LaBeouf did. And that is the episode for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. The show continues to grow because you guys keep listening. So keep on listening. Remember, if we talk about something here that you know somebody would be interested in, please share the episode with them. We're on all podcast platforms. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. And if you want to help us stay independent, go to our website and you can donate an amount of your choosing. See you guys next week. I'm out. Peace.